Wonderful. Well, thank you, Lee. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. It's uh, yeah, just such crazy that, you know, we have another pandemic Mother's Day where we are not able to get together the way we would want to with family. I also want to acknowledge there's many people that today they're missing their moms because their moms have passed away or their moms are far away from them. And there's many today that are just feeling the desire that they want to be a mom. And we acknowledge all of those things as we honor the moms in our community and all those that are watching us today. And so, Lord, we just pray an absolute blessing over every single mom out there. And we just thank you. We're so thankful for their sacrifice, for their love in our lives, for everything that it is that they do for us. Because their love demonstrates the, your love for us, Lord. And Lord, may they be richly blessed today and every day for everything that they give. So I, I want to start today with a video uh, just about moms, about moms in the Bible, just in honor of Mother's Day. So uh, let's uh, go to that video. Motherhood plays an important role in the Bible. It binds the beginning and the end. These stories offer us a glimpse into the heart of God. And so we start at the beginning. Taken from the side of Adam, gifted with bringing forth life, the first woman was named Eve because she was the mother of all living. But she was also a mother in her own right, the first of many mothers to come. Though Sarah's womb was closed, God promised nations and kings would come from her. Ten years pass and motherhood seems as impossible as the day it was promised. But the Lord is faithful to keep his promises, and Sarah bore a son who made her laugh. Leah was the firstborn, overlooked by her husband Jacob, who gave his heart to her younger sister. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. Despite Jacob's disdain, she found her motherhood in the Lord. When Pharaoh became angry at the fruitfulness of the Hebrews, Jochebed sacrificed her motherhood for the sake of her son. When Pharaoh's daughter saw the child, she had compassion on him. Because of Jochebed's sacrificial motherhood, the Israelites found freedom. Naomi was a mother who experienced the loss of her sons. Yet she gained a daughter in Ruth who declared, For where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Naomi and Ruth became family by faith. Mary, a virgin and not yet married, was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. The motherhood of this blessed woman was more than the continuation of a family name, but a means for God to bring a savior into the world to save his people from their sins. From the garden to the cross, there have always been mothers. These women paved the way for all women, representing the full spectrum of the ways one could be called mom. Whether a mother in faith, mentorship, adoption, or by birth, you play an important role in the stories of generations to come. To all the Sarahs, Leahs, Jochebeds and Naomi's. Happy Mother's Day.
Well, happy Mother's Day to all the amazing moms out there. So today, we're actually going to be watching another video about another lady in the Bible, uh, Lady Wisdom. And uh, it's actually another Bible project video. It's only, it's a short one. It's about seven minutes long. Uh, and just to set it up before we watch it this morning, it's, it's this incredible thing of wisdom. And we've been talking about the gospel, about the simplicity of the gospel. And there's also the simplicity of wisdom. Now, wisdom is something that we don't just automatically have. It's something that we've got to gain, but it's such an important thing for each and every one of us as Christians. It's something we've got to operate our lives by. And the Bible talks about it in a wonderful way. And so I wanted to use this video by the Bible Project on Proverbs 8 on Lady Wisdom. So uh, let's, let's switch over to that and we'll uh, chat a little bit about it when it's done. Inviting you to enter into God's sacred city. Doesn't wisdom cry out and understanding raise her voice? At the road's high point, at the crossroads, she stands. Besides the gates going into the city, at the entrance, she shouts. And then Lady Wisdom begins her speech. It has four main parts. In the first part, wisdom declares her value. Choose my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom tall hill inviting you to enter into God's sacred city. Doesn't wisdom cry out and understanding raise her voice? At the road's high point, at the crossroads, she stands. Besides the gates going into the city, at the entrance, she shouts. And then Lady Wisdom begins her speech. It has four main parts. In the first part, wisdom declares her value. Choose my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is more precious than pearls, and nothing you desire compares with her. So living by God's wisdom can lead to the most valuable things in life. Healthy relationships, moral integrity, a stable, fruitful life. You can't buy those things with money. Right. And in the third part of her speech, she repeats the same idea. Wealth and honor are with me, enduring abundance and justice. My fruit is better than pure gold, and what I offer surpasses silver. Now, let's back up to the second part of her speech, where we learn that God's wisdom is very practical. In fact, humans depend upon it every day, whether they know it or not. Through me, kings reign, and rulers issue decrees that are just. Through me, princes rule, and nobles, all who judge with justice. Now, that phrase, issue decrees, comes from the Hebrew word chakak. It means literally to carve or engrave. It refers to how ancient kings would carve laws of justice onto tablets. So a good leader confronts disorder and injustice by creating laws that are just. And when they do so, they're drawing on God's wisdom. Right. Wise leaders become images of God, who also creates, by his decrees, carving order out of chaos. But God's decrees aren't written on tablets. Rather, they're woven into the fabric of creation itself. In fact, that's what the final part of Lady Wisdom's speech is all about. She claims that she was there with God in the beginning. Yahweh brought me forth as the firstborn of his way before his deeds of old. In the remote past, I was formed from the beginning, from the earliest times of the land. Now watch, she's going to repeat that Hebrew word, chakak, to describe how God carved order into the world. When he established the skies, I was there. 
when he carved a horizon on the face of the deep waters. Here, God is splitting the dark, chaotic waters in half, making the waters above and below. And he carved a boundary for the sea, so the waters don't cross his command. This is God creating the boundary of the dry land, holding back the sea so humans can flourish in peace. When he carved the foundations of the land, I was there. The biblical authors imagined that the dry land was supported by pillars below to keep it from sinking back into the chaotic sea. So this is the three-tiered cosmos described all over the Bible. Right. It's how the Israelites and all their ancient neighbors imagined the world. And notice, the dry land is sustained and protected from the surrounding chaos only by God's wise carving abilities. That's beautiful. It is. And it's worth celebrating. Like Lady Wisdom says, I was beside him growing up, and I was his daily delight, celebrating before him the entire time, celebrating the inhabited world of the land, delighting in human beings. God's wisdom delights in the ordered universe, and also in humanity. Yes, because humans are the image of God, called to live by divine wisdom as they carve out their own little spots here in his world. But humans often reject God's wisdom, doing what's right in our own eyes. And in the Bible, that's how humans drag creation back into chaos and darkness. It's only when we live by God's wisdom that we join his project of ordering the world creating space and communities where all of God's creatures can flourish in peace. Or, as Lady Wisdom puts it at the conclusion of her speech, The one who finds me finds life and receives favor from Yahweh. But the one who forfeits me hurts themselves. Those who hate me love death. So every day, Lady Wisdom presents us with a choice. Will I live by God's wisdom and contribute order, beauty, and justice to the world? Or am I going to live selfishly, by my own wisdom, and pull creation back into chaos from which it came? That's the decision that lay before humans throughout the story of the Bible, and still today. Which way will you choose? Lady Wisdom is waiting for our answer. Well, unfortunately, we were missing the first couple of minutes of that video. We had an error with the video. So I encourage you to go and watch the full thing at the Bible Project website just to get a bit of context in the first couple of minutes. But as you saw, as we got the main point of it, which was breaking down Proverbs 8 and the message of Lady Wisdom to us. And it's the incredible thing that we see in Scripture. You know, in talking here in Proverbs 8, you know, which Proverbs, the entire book is about wisdom. It's, and what we part we missed is that the uh, book of Proverbs has four characters, the wise king, lady wisdom, and then it has an evil character and a lady of folly that are throughout the book in, of Proverbs and particularly introduced in the first nine books of Proverbs. And we're, we're told we can follow one or the other. You know, and that, but that if we love, in, in, in Proverbs 8, it says that actually, you know, the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. If we, if, we, if we love God, if we're wise, we will, you know, love God and hate evil. And that, you know, like we saw at the end in the last book or verse in Proverbs, that we are, you know, to seek, uh, we seek wisdom and those that hate wisdom actually love death. And it's, it's so key for us. 
this thing of us gaining wisdom. Now, you can't just get wisdom in terms of, oh, well, you know, I've, I've read something, now I'm wise. Wise is knowing truth. It's having knowledge and having the ability to apply it with judgment and justice. That's wisdom. And for us as, as followers of Jesus, we're people that need wisdom. And the wonderful thing is that we have complete access to wisdom by, because we have the access to the Spirit of God inside of us. And so we don't even need to rely on our own wisdom. We're able to rely on God's wisdom. As it was illustrating there, we have a choice. And the, the greatest choice we have, the wisest choice we have, is that of will I follow Jesus Will I do things God's way or will I continue to operate in self-interest, do things my own way? And every day we have that choice. We have that choice of picking up our cross and following Jesus. We have the choice of are we going to allow God in to our decisions, allow God into the way we do things, or we can continue to be self-focused and thus continue in the ways that bring destruction and evil and separation into the world. And, and while it's a simple choice, it for us often is a difficult one because it, it is, it's fighting, you know, it's that journey that we each have of fighting our old nature, of learning to trust God. And, and this is where we can say the gospel is incredibly simple, but that daily walk is not always easy. That daily walk with Jesus, you know, is a daily walk of us learning to trust him, us learning to walk with him, learning to be there with him. And allowing, I guess, gaining that understanding that his ways are truly better than our ways. You know, the world it constantly tells us that our ways, we should go our own ways, we should look after ourselves, that it's all about us. Look after your own interests, look after the interests of your family, that's it. And yet God invites us into something so much more. A story of creation, a story where he is looking after the whole world. He's looking after the whole universe, actually. And a story in which we get to play a part. We play that part by surrendering our will and ways to his. And trusting that what he's doing is so much better than what it is that, that we're doing. And it's, it's one where we can truly trust that he's working everything out to his good. You know, in this time, there's lots of things we can be disappointed about. There's a lot of things we're missing, you know, and we can look at living here in Ontario. It's where most of you are are watching from in the GTA. That's where most of you are watching from. But wherever you are, you know, we can look at what we're missing out on. We can look at what we don't have, what we're lacking. You know, we can compare to those that are doing it better. That country's got more people vaccinated. That country has less restrictions. That place, you know, they're able to do more things. And we can look at what we're missing. And yet wisdom would suggest that actually what we would do is go, Lord, what are you doing? And look at actually how you know, blessed we are in these circumstances. And I know it's not always easy, right? Because it's a lot easier. You know, we, we do. When we're disappointed, when we're frustrated by the things that, are, that we don't have or that we can't do, those things can become overwhelming to us. But this is where, in wisdom, we take our thoughts captive. You know, we don't look on what we're missing out on. We actually like, man, we're so blessed. Because at the end of the day, when you compare our situation to what's going on in so many different countries right now, man, we're, doing, we're, we're, we're safe, we're fed, there's order, there's not chaos around us. 
Now there's there we are vaccines are being rolled out, which means we can look with hope that the restrictions that we're living in right now are going to end. Now, if you're finding yourself in a place where maybe you're missing family, you haven't been able to travel to see people, or that you know people haven't been able to travel to you, we can be thankful that we live in a time when you can travel and you can you know and you will be able to in the future. People will be able to come and see you. You will be able to go there, and it's these thoughts that we have that are so important. You know, and that's just using the example of the pandemic at this moment in time. But this applies to everything in our lives. When we, when we have God's perspective, we see things in such a bigger scale. And it's a beautiful thing about this community at LifeHouse that we get this global perspective. More so than, than I often will talk to people and maybe their church is primarily made up of people that have grown up in Canada or the U.S. or whatever country they're in. And so they have, they have a, a more limited perspective. But at LifeHouse, we've got these people from everywhere. All of you are from so many different places and we get to see this global perspective on things and see what God's doing all over the place. And frankly, the more we see of what's going on in different places, the more we can be thankful of, of what God is doing here and in our lives. This thing of wisdom is so important. It's something we need to pray for our leaders for. You know, pray for me. Pray for the leaders of, of the Lifehouse community, but let's be praying for our civic leaders, our municipal leaders, our provincial leaders, our federal leaders, that they would have and follow wisdom. It's something that greatly lacks in our world today. And, and outside of God, there really can be no wisdom. You know, the, the, if, if we don't tap into the wisdom of the one that's created the universe, that's created this world, that's created us, then what kind of wisdom are we really tapping into? Our wisdom, human wisdom, is pretty shallow in comparison to that. We have access to this incredible God, and this is the God who loves us so much that he laid his life down for us. And so I want to encourage you today, be wise, be wise about what you think about. You know, I know, I know how difficult it would be. It is in this time, you know, and so many people are lonely. So many people, it's been a long time, you know, that we've been going through this. And when we, when we can't go and hug your mom, if she's nearby, or you can't go and travel to see her if she's far away, or even if she's passed on and, and you're not able to be with her loved. We're meant to affect the world. He did it not with this huge amount of power, political power, wealth, worldly things. He affected one life at a time, one healing at a time, one act of kindness at a time. You know, one person he took and it brought them walking with him at a time. I'm not Jesus. You're not Jesus. You know, and so, but we have access to the same wisdom, the same spirit, the same power that he had. And he said that if we love him, then we're going to obey his teaching and that his teaching is that we would love one another. So let's love one another well. This Mother's Day, love your mom as best as she can. If she's there with you, if you're in, in home with her, then love her well today. If she's far away, call her, tell her you love her. If you are, you know, if your mom's already passed on, then you'll, you'll get to, to, to be soon, you know, with her in the, in the aspect of time. There'll be a time you're reunited in love with her. And the thing you know is that she's able to perfectly love you where she is. Also, be wise. 
follow your mom's instructions. Kids, real wisdom, listen to your mom. And uh, that she would give you godly advice, godly instruction, and be able, you'd, you know, grow up well following the things that she asks you to do. Let's love one another well. Life has, let's love God with all our heart, minds, and spirit. Love our neighbor as ourselves. It's like the best of the situation we find ourselves in. And let's continue to love people for the rest of our lives so that we can radically impact and change this world one person at a time. Love you very much. May you be blessed and have an absolutely amazing week. Take care.